tonight. Indeed, you're the mighty God, and there is none like you. Indeed, O oh God, you're the one that fights our battle and we hold our peace. You're the one that has given us victory, O oh God, a victory that we in our own efforts could not have accomplished. Father, we lift up our voice in adoration to you tonight to say thank you. Thank you, O oh God, for your goodness that continually follows us, O oh God. We thank you, O oh God, for your mercy that we have obtained already. We thank you for your grace that is abundant upon our lives. And so, Father, we are so grateful to you for who you are to us and what you continue to do in our life. Thank you, O oh God, for what you have prepared for us, O oh God. Father, thank you because by your Spirit you continually unravel before us all that you have prepared for us. And, Lord, we're grateful. That, Lord, we are called by your name. That we are called the children of the Most High. That we can enjoy in your presence. That we can enjoy your grace, O oh God. Father, we give you the praise tonight. Hallelujah. We exalt your name, O oh God. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Good evening, everybody. You may be seated. I hope everybody has had a wonderful week so far. Amen. My pastor is back from the celebration. I hope you brought me cake. I have a title for Pastor IBK. If anyone is interested, pay me, I'll give it to you. I call him my Jehovah J of Atlanta. <laughs> is the, is the, is, I mean, it's, it's, it goes about in charge of state affairs. So he's just come back now. I'm sure he'll have some reports for us. Welcome, my pastor. Amen. And so um, I'm going to first leave a few minutes for us to, if there's any comments from Sunday's message. How many of you were here on Sunday outside of Pastor IBK? Yeah, it was here yeah, in the spirit. <laughs> Amen. Anybody have any question for me? Any comment in regards to Sunday's message? Anybody? Okay, can I ask questions? Okay, can somebody tell me what they picked up from Sunday's message? Just anybody. Prayer, I know. I know. I know. I know, Richard, it's prayer, 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 prayer. Okay. There we go. Very good. Very good. Any other person? What did I say is, um, um, what are the, um, okay, without giving it away, I'm trying to figure out, what did I describe prayer, the word, and fellowship as? What did I describe them as? <laughs> That's right, love that for said as a means of grace, right? I mean, I, I, for me, I think it's profound. Uh, I think for me, when, when the Holy Spirit dropped that in my spirit, it kind of helped me to understand. Because for too long, I've always tried to find out what is the balance between understanding grace and bringing about what you mean by discipline. 
because it's one of those things that we've not really taught as much when it comes to the grace message. That even someone like I, when I first heard about it, I felt like, hey, listen, oh, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. Let me just relax and enjoy myself. Even though I would pray, it wasn't as I would heartily pray, if you will understand what I'm saying. And even I think as stupid as I was, I may have preached that one time, yeah? And I'm going to ask Pastor Sam to help me raise that message from the archive, if you put it that. But over the, over the years, having to sit down and just study the word and begin to understand I, I just began to question, why, I mean, God, if Paul says pray constantly, and he, he continues to say pray, Jesus said pray without, he says, he, he says men ought always to pray and not to faint. And remember I said one time, some time ago, that the flip side of not praying is to faint. In other words, you become disheartened, basically. And I, I said to myself, there's some, there has to be more to this thing than what I'm getting. And just, you know, in prayer, just studying and just asking God the question over and over, I began to understand that, listen, all these things are the channels through which you receive the grace of God. It, it, God placed them there for a reason. And when I got the analogy of the faucet, it really blew my mind. That the grace of God is almost like the water you bring towards the house. It's there. The water is there. How do you bring the application of it, bring the manifestation of it in your life? Then I understand, okay, it is the faucet. Yeah? Uh, we all like the faucet. The, 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 the prayer, the word, the disciplines that we ought to bring in our life are those things. And so I said to myself, I can no longer neglect those aspects of my walk, because those are channels to which God's, and don't get me wrong, they are the spontaneous, the, the spontaneous aspect of the grace of God, where without praying or prompting anything, God just does what he does, I mean, understand, those ones happen, I mean, and there's no discounting that, but if you and I keep waiting for that, we'll begin to miss out on the, on the, on the ever-flowing grace of God, that comes on a constant basis in our life. And the channel through which we bring them are through these means. It's through prayer, through fellowship, and through the word. And that's why if you look at all of Paul's admonishments, it, is always has, it always has to do with, when I pray, I remember you. This is who you are. And you cannot know who you are except you study. And then the other aspect is, when Paul is writing a letter, I mean, have you ever seen, read any Paul's letter and he writes it solo? He's always going to say, I am with this person. I am with this person. It is the power of the fellowship that God has given us as believers. And that's why I try to bring it out from the book of Acts. It is through this constant fellowship. We begin to see grace manifest also. There's a grace we enjoy in fellowship that you cannot enjoy all by yourself. It comes as a result of coming together. I mean, why would Jesus Christ say, if two of you agree on anything, my father goes into action immediately. There has to be something to it. Are you, are you following what I'm saying? And so tonight, I want to try and use this word. I mean, a friend of mine gave me this word while we're sharing. I want to demystify prayer. And what do I mean by that? I know Lee got up stage on Sunday and said, listen, after I finish praying for 15 minutes, I'm done. It's over. 
And the truth is, that's one of the most powerful times you've had. I don't want us to think prayer, and that's why sometimes I don't know how to explain this without just sounding that I'm trying to be humble, and that's not what I'm trying to get across. I feel like sometimes I should just scale down me as a person. And the reason is because a lot of people will look at me and say, oh my God, you get what I'm saying. And the truth is there's no oh my God to anything at all. The, the truth is I'm just like Lee. There are days I can't pray for more than five minutes. I'm being honest with you. There are days it takes me maybe what? Three minutes. I'm done praying. And to be honest with you, yeah, there are days it will take, I can take five hours to pray. I'm done praying. Are you getting what I'm saying? But here is the thing that is so powerful. And it was while I was engaging this conversation, I remember this thing that Max Lucado said also about prayer. I don't know if you guys ever heard this thing that he said. How many of you ever go, to, go into prayer and then you fall asleep? <laughs> And when you fall asleep, you get up and you say, damn, I fell asleep again. You understand? I feel defeated. And what happens is, after that, there's some sort of condemnation. So the next time you want to go into prayer, you want to go beyond the 15 minutes. But the truth is, what if at all, is it at all possible that if we're going to look at our earthly father, and our parents, we can then look at God. How many of you, when your children were small, you will put them on your shoulders, they are talking to you, and then they fall asleep? And the joy of, for you is just to see them fall asleep. You just enjoy them sleeping right on your shoulder. Is it at all possible that God sees us that way? That what we think is a problem is not a problem? Is it at all possible? So that the enemy does not keep beating us down. So that you understand that the one minute you just spent with God is the most powerful one minute on earth. It is not the one hour. Because the truth is, when Jesus talked about the one hour, it wasn't the disciples he was talking about, it was himself. He said, can't you tarry with me? In other words, can't you wait for me? He didn't tell them, can you not pray for one hour? He said, can't you tarry with me? Because if we don't remove all of these shadows that cloud prayer, we won't enjoy prayer. And it's after you enjoy that one minute, to understand that it's the most powerful one minute you've just had that leads you to the next two minutes. Because that encourages you for the next five minutes of your time. And the next 15 minutes of your time. Can we also just stop putting minutes to the time we spend with God? Can we just wake up and say, I'm spending time with you without looking at the time? Because God does not look at the time. God just looks at your heart. God is just wanting a conversation. One of the things that baffles me in prayer, I'll tell you, is this. How can a God that talks all the time to me, Take a few minutes to pause and just wants me to talk. He just pause. That's it. You talk. 
for me, that alone just it baffles me. Because he's the creator of the heavens and the earth. Why does he have to hear anything from me? So, that's another one. The other one that I also want to try and just remove is, are there steps in prayer when it comes to grace? Should I go praise and worship first? And then I go into my petition? Or what do I do? My question to you is, based on your relationship, even with your friend, are there protocols that you observe to go in? No. There are days for me when it comes to prayer that all I just want to talk about is the awesomeness of God. That I really don't have any request. And there are days I'm telling you, I don't even say, hello God, I don't even say how are you doing today. I just go straight at it. Because he understands my heart. And that's one of the things I want to begin to break down. Because if we don't, by the time we start explaining what is supplication, what is confession, all of that, it becomes almost like a routine. Without bringing it down to the foundation of a relationship. Because prayer begins as a relationship. My conversation with my best friend begins as a relationship. It is not a certain protocol to observe. So those are the things that we have to deal with first in prayer. If we don't deal with those things, then the enemy just keeps beating us over and over. You didn't pray well. Who judges whether I pray well? Is it not my conversation? I mean, then the enemy says you didn't pray long enough. Who judges that? Is it what the enemy is saying or what God is telling me? One of the two things is that I believe a lie or I believe the truth. So these are the areas of prayer that we need to be very comfortable with. So that when I get up in the morning, which, listen, I know I've said this before, and I'm going to say it, it bears repetition. The fact that you don't pray does not stop the love of God in your life. Please understand that. And it is not because you prayed now that God is doing something. God has already done something. Your prayer is just a means to receive that grace. So your prayer just says, I know something is flowing. And through prayer, I want to hear. Through the word, I want to hear. In fellowship, I am hearing. That's all that means. It is not because I prayed now. I, you know, I mean, you used to say before, my God, that prayer, God does not have any option than to answer. I mean, then you look back at yourself and say, my God, stupid. I wish you knew better. And I'm sure God understood my ignorance. And he walked with my ignorance. But what I'm trying to say is some aspects of prayer we really need to deal with so that prayer becomes the most enjoyable thing for us as individuals. You wake up in the morning, you sleep off after you've prayed. It's all right. Don't condemn yourself. You're fine. Look at prayer like a dance. The Bible says in the book of Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, it says, you have brought me to the banquet hall and your banner over me is love. When I wake up and I pray, I see myself 
just dancing. And through dancing, I'm just talking. That's the way I see myself, with God. And that's the way I want you to see yourself in prayer. But I want you to ask me questions this evening before we wrap up. If you have any questions, concerns in regards to prayer, before I say any other thing, let me know. Listen, we're family. I've just told you I struggle sometimes. There are times in my life, there was a time I looked at it for almost one month. My prayer life was like, my goodness. But I knew God loved me. I didn't feel condemned. I know it's not the best place to be, but it does not mean that I, I am going to feel condemned because I'm confident in his love for me. He didn't save me because if you don't pray after I have saved you, you are in trouble. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. He did it before I even came in. Any question? Any comment? Senator. Okay. One of the things that blessed me last Sunday was when you said that um, when we deprive ourselves or when we absent ourselves from a corporate prayer, that we are depriving our sisters and our brother, brothers the blessings that comes with corporate prayer. So uh, it was, I was like, okay, you know, because I believe that to me, corporate prayer is like when you come with your own anointing. I come with my own anointing. The glory of the Lord fill the whole place. And that's when the miracle of God, that's when testimonies, prophecies will come up. So when we don't do that, or we just, we are nonchalant about it, it doesn't produce anything. That's correct. So that's very good. Any other person? Any other person? Question, comment? Nobody? Praise the Lord. Amen. So I just make a comment when it comes to prayer. And it's essentially is to help us appreciate the disposition of heaven to our prayer. Now, uh, Revelation chapter 8, I'll read. You know, a few, maybe two verses of scripture. Now, if you're familiar with the book of Revelation, there's, uh, there was so much activity that John was reporting. This was happening, that was happening, this man was doing this, this one was doing that. So there was so much activity in Revelation. And Revelation chapter 8 verse 1 said, And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. This is the only time in Revelation that John reports that heaven was silent. All he was reporting before the activities going on in heaven. And then heaven became silent for 30 minutes. So he probably was timing it. I don't know how he arrived at 30 minutes. But somehow, he tells us that there was silence in heaven for 30 minutes. And why was there silence in heaven for 30 minutes? Or why was there silence in heaven at all? said, 
And another angel, verse 3, came and stood at the altar having a golden censer, and there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayer of the saints. Now, the point I'm trying to make is this. Every time as a believer you set out to pray, heaven becomes attentive. That our prayer brings silence in heaven because heaven listens to the words of our prayer. So when we have that understanding, it helps our commitment to prayer. That all of the cacophony of sounds that you find in heaven will remain until the saints are praying. The moment the saints set out to pray, heaven becomes silent. What are they saying? God is keen to hear and to listen to what we have to say. And that is such a honor and privilege for us. That's very good. That's a very good perspective. Thank you. Very, very good. Yeah, I just wanted to say um, uh, you brought something out about relationship. You know, in prayer, it's a relationship that we build with God. And it's a nourishment. It's a thing that nourishes us to like spiritual, it's a spiritual food for us. It's not, you know, like we, we thrive off of the food, to the natural food to help us to keep going. But the spiritual food is in prayer that we get. And some, something that was said also um, that this morning, like I always, I always had this get up for my time with God and have my time with him. And for the past month, I've been moving. I've been moving from one place to the other, so I haven't really gotten that time. But I know God loves me. And so this morning, I just got back into that, that part with him because I know that he didn't condemn. I, I, you condemn yourself, like you said, when you, when you think that he does not love you and, and, and he's not going to answer you because you didn't go get to prayer. But God is a good God, and like he, he has, he's a God of unconditional love. And I just thank God for me coming on today because it just kind of confirmed what God was telling me this morning about me and his relationship in prayer. Amen. Amen. That's very good. Any other questions? Any other questions? None? Okay. So... We talked about corporate prayer, and um, I talked about what does a grace-filled church look like. We talked about that, and I think that I mentioned the fact that the Holy Spirit moves amongst them. The grace of God is in the midst of them. There is unity, and there is no lack in their midst. And my challenge is for us as a body, as workers, that if we can mend that place of prayer, especially corporate prayer, I'm not even sure this place can contain the things that we're going to see God do. Um, I do understand that at the end of the day, you're still going to get the same percentage of people that are going to come, but I'm praying that we're going to have an increase in numbers of those that attend, that we can begin to take hold of the power of corporate prayer as a body, because corporate prayer is what pushed the book of Acts. 
the, the infantry is what, I mean, it was a normative thing for them. I mean, it's what they lived by. Any little thing, their default is prayer. If there's an issue, their default is prayer. I mean, unfortunately for us, over time, any little thing happens, our default is to talk. We talk more than we pray as believers these days. I mean, I've, I've been in meetings many times where we talk, 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 we raise issue, and we're trying to resolve it by A, B, C, D. You get what I'm saying? And you seldom see us say, you know what? Let's just all pause. Stop it. Let's all just pray and just hear the heart of God. And I do agree that there has to be a balance. In some cases, there are people that just use prayer as a cop-out. You get what I'm saying? Of trying not to make hard decisions. I've seen that. But at the same time, you also have to keep the balance of if it's a God thing, it's a God thing. And God has an answer for a God thing. And so what I've made up my mind to do in the last few months is I'd rather err on the side of overpraying than on the side of being independent of God to make decisions. Thinking I'm making the right decisions. You get what I'm saying? And, and that would help a whole lot. Because if you look at the infant church in the book of Acts, once they say there's a problem, they say they pray. And in the midst of prayer, God speaks. And they are able to move forward. And I want us to begin to apply the same thing to us as individuals. That when issues come, it's easy to talk with God. It becomes our default. Rather than my own sense of reasoning or my logic. But I make God the default in my talking to God on a constant basis. Amen? So those are the things that I want to get home. I know after service, a few people came to me. And they asked me. And funny enough, I, didn't even, I don't see any of them here. Um, they asked me, just help us out. How do you begin to pray? And I'm not sure there is a way you teach somebody to pray. Except that I'll say that the first foundation is the word of God. I would, if I have 10 minutes to pray, I probably would quote like maybe 10 scriptures. Because I believe that the scripture gives you the, the direction when it comes to prayer. You get what I'm saying? So I guess to answer that question, to get to know how to pray, you also have to be a student of the word. And the word is what helps you not give up in prayer. And so say, for example, if let's say I'm looking for direction from God in something, and the scripture says, commit your ways to God and it will direct your path. And the Bible says that the version of the heart belongs to man, but the answer to the tongue is of God. Those are scriptures that I want to lean on. And so I can lift up my voice and say, Father, I thank you. That preparation of the heart belongs to you, to me, but the answer to the tongue is yours. Therefore, I commit so and so unto you. You said I should commit my ways to you. You would direct my path. And Lord, I thank you because your word says in Ecclesiastes that wisdom is profitable for direction. I therefore receive your wisdom to move on in this matter. You get what I'm saying? So the key there for us as believers is, first, it has to be through the word of God. And that's why I said those are the channels that God has given us in order to be able to tap into his grace. The word of God, 
prayer and fellowship is something we can't do without. And now that as a, as a body, it's part of our core values. In other words, what they are saying is, the one thing you want to hear about WorkFan is that there are people that pray. When you say something is a core value for somebody, it's in their DNA. So if the core value, even from the scriptures as we read, is the word of God, prayer, and fellowship. Those seems to be the core value for the infant church in the book of Acts. And we as a body are imbibing that as a core value. Then I want to believe that we're going to get the same result as the infant church got. Because I'm not sure there's a formula with God. It's just that God gives a way to do things. And that's one of them. That as a core value, in other words, even in our individual lives and as a family, we are taking time out to pray. We're taking time out to pray. We're taking time out to pray as a family. What becomes normative in our homes eventually comes up as a fragrance for us. So that everywhere we go, it just becomes a natural thing. It's, it becomes a default for us. So that part of what core value is in WorkFan will be something that becomes visible in our lives. Amen? And that was why I was saying on Sunday, get a journal. If you can get a journal, I have a journal. I can't tell you how many journals that I have. But every beginning of the year, I get a journal. And I'm every minute, every second, even when I pray, I just write the things that I pray, the ones that I feel most impressed. I may take maybe 20 prayer points in the morning. But the one that maybe stays on my heart the most is what I write on my journal. That Lord, that while praying this morning, this particular topic stayed on my heart. Yeah, and I'm trusting you, God, you bring some direction. And I'm telling you, every end of the month, sometimes I go back to them. And I can't tell you the ones that I've seen that God has answered over and over. Even while in the passing, I did not even know that God has answered them. And I've actually lived through them. And then I come back and say, my God, God answered this prayer. That is why if you look in the scriptures, when God says, write this down so that your children's children... The reason why God is asking them to write it down is that they can recall it and also it begins to encourage them as they recall it. That is what, the, that is what a journal will do for you. So I'm encouraging every one of us, try and get a prayer journal. This year we're saying that prayer is part of our core value. By the end of the year, I want you to look at all your prayer journal and you'll be amazed the things that God has already done. Because you are able to keep track. For, because beginning of the year, I had written out five things that I want to stand out this year. By the end of the year, when I look at my journal, I'll be amazed that those five things, God has even superseded them. But it helps us a lot. Imagine if Paul was not doing, writing all the letters he was writing. If he was not chronicling all these things, you and I would not be privy to what we have now. I mean, Paul would say, I remember you in my prayer. If he goes back to this, if he, go back, he goes back to his letter, he will remember he prayed for the Ephesus church. And this is the prayer that I prayed for the Ephesus church. is now visible in the Ephesus church. So I want, us to, I want to challenge us this year. Get a prayer journal. And just chronicle this thing. Write them down. Write them down. Write them down. And I'm, I guarantee you, 
you'll be amazed the things that God will do. I mean, this year, every time I'm going to hold this mic, I'm only going to talk about prayer. Because I want to believe that by the time it becomes a DNA for us, part of our DNA, it will make the world of difference in our lives. We will become a people that hear God all the time. We'll become like the sons of Isheka. We'll have understanding of the times of what we ought to do. Because it is in fellowship and listening to what God is saying, we are able to carry out what God is saying. And it then gives us the grace. More, more importantly, if you're struggling in the place of prayer, I want you to take Zechariah 12.10 before God. You said you're going to pour the spirit of prayer. Lord, I receive the spirit of prayer. I thank you, God. Because I know that the flip side of not praying is to faint. And the other flip side of it is that we complain. You see a people that complain, you're going to see a people that don't pray. You see a people that pray, you see a people that are always thankful. Because the opposite of being, of being a complainant is somebody that is thankful. The more I'm thankful, the more I don't complain. And thankfulness is part of prayer. That's why Paul said, do not be anxious for nothing. But through prayer, with supplication, with thanksgiving, make your request known to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding will guard your heart. So I say to myself, every time I complain, I mean, if you drive with me and I'm in traffic with you, you would hate to sit down beside me. Before we go out sometimes, my husband would tell me, listen, there's going to be traffic I don't want to hear your voice. Because the minute the traffic starts, till, it, till we get to our destination, I'm going to sound like a broken record just complaining and complaining about how Georgia did not do this, how they, they did not make enough road. I mean, how can people not think, blah, 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 blah. this is supposed to be a, a western world. I'm going on and on and on. And it's as if... It's sounding like a buzz in his ears, and the guy gets tired of it. You know, but, but now I'm beginning to understand that just stop complaining. Just see it as an opportunity to be thankful to God. Lord, I thank you that in the midst of these, I'm grateful that even in this delay, I can still thank you. I have the opportunity to give you praise. You get what I'm saying? The other day we drove, and I did not complain. He looked at me and looked at me and looked at me like, who is this beside me? Is this my wife? But I'm telling you, that's one of the things that I complain about a lot. I mean, I'm not, there are other things I complain about. But I'm saying that the opposite of me being a complainant is that I'm not thankful to God for them. And the more you pray, the more the disposition of your heart changes about many things. I mean, sometimes the things that I'm upset about, when I pray about them, God helps me with it. And let me even put it this way. The person you don't like, if you take time to pray for them, you find that you begin to like them. There's a way the Spirit works it out in our lives. And so that us as work fan, if prayer becomes part of our DNA, rather than see the problem in Sister A or Sister B, we'll begin to see the hand of God in every one of us' life. Because the truth is, all of us are unique in our own ways. I don't want anybody to have my personality. Neither should I have your personality. But then you begin to see each other that I can't become like Olamide. I can't become like Dukwe. Dukwe can't become like me. You get what I'm saying? But we are all so unique. 
That is why the scripture says we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So that it is through this means of grace that we can tap upon that grace to be able to live with one another. It is through this means of grace. You can then receive the grace of God in every aspect of your life. That's why God, the Bible calls God the God of all grace. In other words, there is grace sufficient for us in every aspect. But that grace can only come and be manifested as we tap into these channels or what I call the means of grace in our lives. And it comes as a result of us not making up our mind, but leaning on God to help us through the drought seasons. Because, like I said on Sunday, even the ability to be able to pray comes from God himself. So that it takes away the boasting from man. That's why he said, I will release the spirit of prayer. So that I know that when I pray, it's God's ability. It is him that is working in me, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Amen? And so tonight, I'm going to allow us to just stand to our feet and get ready to go. But here's my challenge again, once again, to everybody. Just make prayer your default in all things. And prayer can't be your default except you ask for the grace from God. You can't enjoy what you want to enjoy from God without God revealing that he has given it. That's why Paul said in the book of Philemon, I believe in verse 6, in NLT, it says that you may know and experience all the things that have been given to you in Christ. How do you know the things that have been given to you in Christ? It is through the word of God. It is through prayer. And it is through fellowshipping one with another. Sometimes I'm talking to my friends. There's things that they say will bring me back to scripture and a revelation comes. Listen, you're not looking for You are not in a pseudo community. You are in one of the most powerful community in the world. Is the community of believers. That is why the scripture says one can put to chase a thousand, but two shall put to chase ten thousand. It's an exponential thing. It is nothing to do with the numbers we can chronologically count in our head. There is power in prayer. There is power in the word. And there is power in the fellowship. And those are the means of grace that God has brought about for the believer. I want you to lift up your voice tonight. And I want you to pray. As you pray for yourself, I want you to pray for every believer on that work fan. That our core values this year that we, have, well, that we have written out and hope that God by his spirit will begin to work out in our life. That every one of us would hold dearly unto them. We want to pray tonight that God, as we, as we come together, as part of our core value is to pray, we ask you, God, for the spirit of prayer. Lord, that will be able to pray, O oh God. For we recognize, O oh God, that you're the one that works in us both to will and to do of your good pleasure. 
Lord, therefore, we pray tonight, oh God, that the ability to pray accurately, oh God, the ability, almighty God, to be able to stay in prayer, the strength to do it, it comes from you. Therefore, Lord, we receive it. I thank you, Lord, that I will not condemn myself in prayer. I will see myself, oh God, as the beloved of God, that every second or every minute that I spend with you, I will realize there are quality times with you because you desire it. And Lord, even during the day, the promptings of the Spirit to pray, I ask you, O oh God, to give me the grace to be able to do them. That Lord, your name alone will be glorified. In my life, O oh God, and in this body of believers, Father, in the name of Jesus. Father, thank you that with the prayer this year, O oh God, in the midst of Wokfan, will bring about powerful results in our midst in the name of Jesus. That we will experience your abundant grace. We will experience unity. We will experience no one having any lack in our midst, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. We will experience the leading of the Spirit like never before, Lord, in the name of Jesus, because we give ourselves, O oh God, even, Lord, to prayer and to just stand before you and enjoying your presence and giving you alone the glory and the praise and the honor. Lift up your voice tonight and just say, Lord, I pray for the strength to be able to wait in prayer. Remember what I said in the book of Acts chapter 1. Jesus told them to wait. But between waiting and receiving the Holy Spirit, the Bible said they gather together always to pray. Lord, I thank you for the grace not to faint in the place of prayer. That, Lord, my eyes will be fixed on you, not just the outcome. I thank you tonight. I receive the grace of supplication upon my family. I receive the grace of supplication upon my life. That, Lord, even as I give myself to prayer, I will receive that, oh God, which you're doing in my life, that my ears will be attentive. I will become alert in the spirit. I thank you for that, oh God, and I give you the praise tonight, Father, in the name of Jesus. I give you the honor, oh God. Thank you, my God, that I'm a woman of prayer, that I'm a man of prayer. That, Lord, I thank you, my God, that your word, almighty God, is, is, is in me, oh God. I thank you for the revelation that comes as a result of looking into your word. I thank you, God. I give you praise. I receive this ability from you, oh God. I thank you, my God, because you're giving it generously. And Lord, I receive it as you lavish it upon me, Lord. Giving you the glory, giving you the praise, giving you the honor, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. The love of God. And the sweet fellowship of the Holy Spirit. Be with us now and forevermore. Say with me, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. God bless you all.